0: You're listening to a paid commercial program, unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 770 CHQR. Welcome to The Strong Room, presented by Macmillan Estate Planning. I'm Wayne Nelson. On today's show, a continuation of a previous show on estate administration. If you've been named executor or have accepted the responsibility of administering an estate after someone you likely knew has passed on, well, there are certain responsibilities and a list of things to do, and they can maybe be a little bit more overwhelming than you may have expected, depending on the size of the estate, of course, the beneficiaries, assets, and liabilities. Today, we're going to go over the assets and liabilities, which we sort of touched on in our previous show, but in a little bit more detail today. My guest this morning, McMillan Estate Planning Legal Counsel, Henry Villanueva. Henry, this is all part of the probate process. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, most often than not, what the family has to do first is uh, deal with uh, funeral expenses. That's the first thing.
0: Now, here's a situation, Henry. A person has passed on. Typically, the bank has been notified, and the assets, the, the bank account, is typically frozen at that point. So if the family has to look after funeral expenses, and those can be several thousand dollars, do they pay for it first? And expect to be reimbursed from the estate? Is that one way to do things, or is there a simpler way?
1: Mm -hmm. Most often than not, families uh, will advance the funds to pay for uh, the loved one's funeral expenses. And that is acceptable as long as you have proper accounting and bookkeeping to take that into consideration. But I wa- what I want to add to that is to inform families that these banks are uh, compassionate as well. And if you uh, just speak with the bank manager and people from the banks, they may be able to uh, accommodate certain withdrawals from the deceased's account if you are able to present them with a final statement of account from the funeral director, for example, that shows that this is a funeral expense and that this amount of money is outstanding and not yet paid, and they may accommodate to write a check in favor of the funeral director from the deceased bank account in order to satisfy that bill.
0: And again, that's assuming that there is money in that account, enough money in that account to pay that bill. Exactly.
1: But again, there's nothing wrong with the family if they have the financial means to advance the costs for the funeral. And once the accounting is um, in process, they can request that this amount be reimbursed from the funds of the estate.
0: All right. Next step. After the funeral expenses have been looked after in whatever way, shape or form, that's when the administrator can look at the assets.
1: And most often than not, these assets are comprised of the following. We have real estate. And the real estate may come in the form of uh, this deceased's primary residence. It may be uh, an investment property as well. Uh, Some families also have farmland. And some families may also have um, condominium units as well.
0: Or a vacation home or cottage somewhere. Exactly, like recreational property. Now, being in the real estate business myself, I know that a house cannot be sold while probate is ongoing until that final decision has been made once probate has been cleared.
1: That is true. I'll give you two scenarios in this particular case for all listeners. Most often than not, primary residences are owned by mom and dad and the title is held jointly. In that case, should either mom and or dad pass away, leaving a surviving spouse and the title on property is joint, then the surviving spouse shall inherit the property 100% in their name. There's no trouble to that, and all that families need to do is file specific forms before Alberta land titles to transfer that property from both their names to the surviving spouse's names.
0: And that's assuming, of course, that we have the joint tenancy on title. If we don't, the other form of possession is tenancy in common, Slightly different scenario.
1: Tenants in common own the property according to their respective percentage interest. So we could have a lady own 60%, for example, and a gentleman own 40%. Should the gentleman pass away, the 40% of that gentleman doesn't automatically flow to the lady. The 40% will then belong to the estate of the deceased gentleman.
0: And what happens in that situation?
1: In that situation, we will have to deal with that 40% in accordance with the will of the deceased or in accordance with probate processes.
0: All right. A little bit more complicated. Exactly. So again, real estate is the biggest asset that we look at in probate.
1: Mm-hmm. And the reason for that, uh, Wayne, is that most, uh, most usually the real estate is a big chunk of our asset base. Uh, families would um, gear toward purchasing a house as early as possible and uh, investing in the equity and eventually wanting to pay off their mortgage. And when time comes when they pass away, uh, they would have provided a big amount to provide uh, for the equity in that house. So, in these cases, uh, should one of the spouses already have predeceased, And uh, the home is now entirely 100% owned by uh, the spouse who eventually passes away. We have a situation where the house now needs to be passed down to their heirs or their children. And it's not as easy as uh, what happened with mom and dad. Now we have to deal with the probate process first in order for this house to, for example, be sold or transferred to any of their children.
0: And how long does that typically take, Henry?
1: Well, as much as I would wish that probate will take only uh, three months or a week or two, unfortunately, it doesn't. It takes a lot longer than that. From my experience, if there's no litigation issues or fighting in court amongst the beneficiaries, we could get away with this in as quick as maybe four to six months. But occasionally, if there's some issues with names or if there's some issues with beneficiaries wanting more from the will, for example, then these issues in probate uh, may be held up for as long as three to four to five years even.
0: Wow. Wow. And that property that property sits during that time. You can't do anything with it.
1: Exactly. And that's where the problem lies. If probate lasts for that long due to a contentious state, then so are the assets frozen in that process, meaning the house of mom and dad will not be able to be sold because it's still in litigation, unfortunately.
0: And somebody still has to pay the bills.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Fortunately, the CRA doesn't pause Because we are in probate, the CRA and the government will still collect their taxes, the utility bills still have to be paid, property taxes still are due. And we still have to keep on shoveling the snow and doing maintenance.
0: That's right. Henry, after real estate, what is the next biggest asset that we look at? Are we looking at uh, the stocks, bonds, cash, investments? Is that where we would tend to look next if we are the executor or administrator of an estate?
1: Mm -hmm. So the next asset that families most often look at and I don't want to say the next biggest or the next smallest because it really depends on the family, is um, is the money assets. And these include cash accounts, checking accounts, saving accounts, investment accounts. For cash accounts, uh, most often than not, if families only have cash accounts and up to a certain threshold, banks may not necessarily need probate, but merely the will and the death certificate If all that the deceased had was uh, a small account up to a certain threshold of the banks, they may be able to release these to the beneficiaries right away. However, for accounts which have larger numbers, and again, the threshold amounts for banks differ from bank to bank, uh, they may require probate before they release any of these monies to the surviving heirs. In regard to investments, we have to look at a couple of things. And the first aspect we have to uh, think about is whether or not these money investment assets are probatable assets or not. Can you explain that? Okay. For example, assets that are registered, such as RRSPs and TFSAs, these assets would most often have what we call designated beneficiaries. And those designated beneficiaries would receive the amounts in these RRSPs without having to deal with probate. They get it right away. Now, for certain assets that do not have designated beneficiaries, such as non-registered accounts or cash account savings accounts, uh, these may need to go through probate, again, depending on the threshold amount in the account.
0: All right. We're going to pause right here, Henry, and we're going to come back and continue our conversation on assets. And we'll try to get around to the liability aspect of things, too, when dealing with uh, the administration of an estate. We have been discussing estate administration back in a moment with McMillan Estate Planning Legal Counsel, Henry Villanueva. You're listening to The Strong Room on 770 CHQR.